Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com and today I have another guest on the podcast. Yay! So (laughs) I'm going to be talking to Jasmine Henley-Brown. She is the podcaster behind the amazing podcast called the 20-something series and we're going to be talking about how she's navigating her finances in her 20s, um, the mistakes she's made, the challenges she's experienced and the successes she's had around her money because I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast are in your 20s, early 30s, and you're trying to figure out this whole thing when it comes to, you know, making the right decisions around your finances. So I thought it would be a great idea to have Jasmine on because she's actively doing this. She's a young, beautiful lady navigating her career, her business, her finances. And we're just going to have a great conversation as to exactly how she's doing it and what you can be doing too. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. So welcome, Jasmine, to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today about your experience with money. Thank you so much, Bella, for having me on. I'm really excited. Like I said, on my podcast about you, I love your platform and I love what you're creating with Clever Girls. So I'm excited to be here. Yay. Welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you since your podcast is called the 20 something series? (laughs) Um, I'm 47 and I run (laughs) on the jacket. Now, yes, I'm 28. And so I have a podcast called the 20 something series, basically chronicling the last two years of my twenties. Um, and I have guests on who are currently in their twenties and we're trying to figure out how the heck we're going to get through it. Um, and then I have people who have been in their 20s and survived and they come on and they tell us ways to uh, maneuver through and kind of give us tips and lots of wisdom and that's the format of the podcast. I love it. Um, I can definitely relate to feeling that way in my 20s. I'm no longer (laughs) 20-something. But um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love your podcast as well. So thank you. (laughs) So let's get into um, you know a little bit more about you and just navigating your life in your 20s. So what would you say was when you graduated from college, which was not too long ago, a few years ago, um, and you got a new job, a full time job? um, What would you say were your biggest challenges? with money when it came to making money, being brand new in the workforce, and just how you were feeling? So here's the thing. I actually have a confession here. (laughs) I am not a college graduate. Oh, okay. No, I am I am Kanye West. I went <laughs> to college and I really tried like with all of my might, but it just wasn't for me. Um and but however, I still do um have student loans that I'm paying, so I probably should have just finished because I was going to pay student loans anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but once I decided to drop out of school, that brought on a whole new challenge as far as money because if you decide to you know, drop out of college, you obviously have to figure out a way to still do something significant with your life and still make money, um, sans a degree. So, uh, my biggest challenges I think were just learning how to first just make money, right? Like getting mm-hmm. a job and trying to get a job that would pay me enough, even though I didn't have a college degree. Luckily I have the gift of gab, so I can kind of talk my way into a lot of things. Um, but I think the first challenge was to just find a job that would pay me enough to, you know, take care of myself and live on my own. Awesome. So I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because 
And I'm sorry I made that assumption. I should have asked. <laughs> oh, no, no, people, it's like people all, unless I tell someone like that I didn't, it's always just, you know, assumed and I, I'm completely fine. I think that means that people think that I am intelligent enough to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a college education has anything to do with intelligence. Like I'm of the opinion that, you know, when it's time for my kids to go to college, it's ultimately their choice because especially in the world we live in, um, mm-hmm. There are successors of people who dropped out who were, you know, living incredibly successful lives and people who Oprah. went to college. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Mark Zuckerberg, who <laughs> who went to college and are also living incredibly successful lives. I think it's just really who you are and what yes. you intend to do with your life. So I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, the circumstances around debt are not just if you went to college and graduated or if you didn't graduate. So you left and you still have debt to to deal with and you still went on and started a career. So your, you know, your situation might be a little, maybe less common. I don't even know if it's less common, Mm -hmm. but it's, it happens. And that's something that people need to understand that you don't have less value. You're not less intelligent because you didn't finish college. It just wasn't for you. And you know, you're successful in your own right and you, you don't have any limits because this is the world we live in now. So I'm exactly, glad that you shared exactly. that. <laughs> so you did, you. Get, <laughs> you did get, like many people, you did get student loans yep, that you um, <laughs> are trying to pay off, but then you also went into a career. So mm-hmm. when it came to earning money in your career, right, what would you say were your biggest money mistakes as a 20-something year old? So something year old, I guess. In my yeah, in my early twenties, I like me. I made money. I just didn't make a lot of money, and so I've always had a problem with spending. Like I like clothes. I love to you know buy new clothes and shoes and everything. So that was my biggest issue: is the fact that I was trying to buy everything that I wanted and I wasn't making enough money to Mm -hmm. do that. And to like kind of maintain an apartment, I ended ended up moving out and getting my own apartment. Um, and I also moved out of town a lot. I've lived in Chicago, New York city, Atlanta, and now back in Chicago, all in my twenties. And so the biggest thing with saving money is always, I would always pick up and move somewhere and then I would have to start over. So I I was always really, really broke when I would move to a new city because I hadn't saved enough, uh, prior to the move. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is definitely common with early 20 somethings, because I think when you start to make money, depending on your background, and I don't even think it depends on your background because, um, my example, me personally, um, you know my story about saving $100,000, but mm-hmm. once I got to, and I was in my early 20s when I did that, but then I got to the place where I had saved over $100,000, I was feeling super comfortable, and then mm-hmm. I started my epic, the most epic handbag collection you could ever imagine in your life. I'm not going to name <laughs> designer labels, but I was, you know, I love designer handbags. I still do, but at the time, I was just like, oh my God, I have money now. I can buy bags, and you know, my savings right. are set, and so I found myself not saving as much anymore because I knew I had money. I got more flexible in my spending. And I think in your early 20s, especially when you start to earn a little bit of money, because a lot of us as women, when we get into our early 20s, we're leaving college or, you know, starting Mm -hmm. to work. And we've never really made that amount of money before, (laughs) right? And so you're susceptible to making all these different mistakes. So we've all made them. Um, and yours was moving and shopping. Mine was handbags. Mm-hmm. But then, 
there's, you know, as you grow, hopefully the goal is that you learn the lessons. And I learned my lessons. I realized that the handbags are sitting in my closet and they were worth thousands of dollars that I could be investing. And one day I was like, you know what? It actually wasn't one day. It took me a lot of time to let go of all of them. It was like piecemeal. Mm -hmm. I'd sell one, sell one, sell one. And, but, but eventually you kind of hopefully learned lessons, right? So what were your biggest lessons from those mistakes? What were the biggest takeaways that you, um, you got out of, Definitely. uh, I see the importance in preparation now with everything that I do, including my money. So I know now, like last year was the first year that I made like a lot of money, a significant amount of money. And Mm -hmm. I spent it all like I didn't have anything to show for the amount of money that I made last year. So this year I stand to make, um, you know, that amount or maybe more. And I'm just really, really careful with how I'm planning my money, even down to what I'm going to eat on the weekends, because it's so easy to just go out and buy food. So I've been just setting aside an amount. I know I do like to eat out because I don't really like to cook like that. And so I set out (laughs) an amount (laughs) every week that, okay, this is how much you're going to spend on buying food. And once that's gone, you are unfortunately going to have to make a meal for yourself. (laughs) So that's been, you know, just preparation. That's been my biggest takeaway is like, you have to plan everything even down to how you spend your money. Absolutely. And budgeting is key. If you want to build wealth, you have to master the budget. And I don't, we talked about this on your podcast too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you talked to a lot of 20 something women, right? On your podcast yes. and your, in yep. what you do. Um, and do you find that they're making the same mistakes you made in your early twenties? Are there, you know, what, what kind of mistakes do you see other millennial women making with their money? You know, and I don't, I don't say this to be judgmental at all because I'm still making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, but the biggest thing that I see, and we touched on this Bola when we talked on my podcast is just the biggest mistakes that I'm seeing with money are the materialistic, like the, the wastefulness on material things like buying, you know, really expensive shoes, buying like those expensive handbags when you Mm -hmm. don't have any money in your savings account and you're spending every last dollar on those handbags. And like you said, like we're doing it just to impress other people who probably don't even really care. No. Um, yeah, the most glaring, the most glaring issue that I'm seeing amongst, you know, my, uh, counterparts, I guess you could say, is that we're spending money on things that are not going to hold any value and things that we can't even use to make money for us. Like we're buying really nice shoes and expensive shoes, but we can't go and sell those shoes for the same value. So we're really just wasting money. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to understand that it's okay to own nice things, right? You can have nice shoes and nice bags and whatever you want to spend your money on. However, you have to prioritize what's most important to you and you have to be able to delay gratification. I think so many Mm -hmm. people are caught up in this whole easy access and easy to touch where, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you see Beyonce on Instagram wearing that Gucci bag you just saw and you feel like, she's so relatable and you go out and buy the right. bag and you know Beyonce has this bag and I have it but because of the 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 ease of touch and social media where you almost feel like oh my god I know this girl you don't know her but you feel uh-huh. like I know her you kind of forget 
the in-between, the separation between both of you is that she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. (laughs) (laughs) She can actually afford it and not, not afford it by like, she can buy it and she won't have any money left, but like she can buy it and still have a a lot of money left over. Or she probably got it for free. So exactly, you know, it's, I think it's important to recognize that. And the material thing is, I think that's, it's almost like the curse of our generation um, because credit is so accessible. And I'm sure that when you're, when you were in college and as you've progressed in your twenties, you've gotten so many options and opportunities to, accumulate credit card debt, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're trying to buy those shoes and because you're trying to buy that bag and because you're trying to do the things that you see relatable, quote unquote relatable, they're not relatable celebrities doing, (laughs) or not even (laughs) celebrities, like just people on TV, like whatever people watch and they just seem like, oh, she Mm -hmm. seems like a regular girl. Like people can watch a reality show that shows a girl that seems um, I don't know, like she has a regular life like you and you think mm-hmm. you're, you're relatable, but you think she's relatable, but she isn't because she's on TV and she's probably being paid a lot of money to be on TV to act like she's regular. <laughs> or you want, you want to know a secret about that? Cause I like have worked in that industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of times those same people on the reality shows, they'll get their stuff donated to them. And so you'll see them wearing this on the show. A lot of those items they have to give back. A lot of the people that we see on reality TV that we're trying to compete with, a lot of those people, you know, they have massive financial issues and that's yeah. why they're on TV hoping to get yep. other avenues, you know, other avenues of money. But, you know, I've, I've worked on a show like as a PA where one of the, the cast members was literally homeless, like sleeping from like couch to couch. And you couldn't tell when she got on TV, but that's the thing is like they, they're on TV to kind of sell a, a lifestyle and that's really not how they're living. Yep. And I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of times people put out fronts on television, mm-hmm. on social media, even people, you know, and you really don't know what's happening behind the scenes but exactly. because you feel like you need to keep up or because you feel like this person has that or because, Oh, they're so relatable. If she can afford it, so can I, you kind of mm-hmm. get caught up. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. So given all these things, right. And now knowing what, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you know, guys, like I mentioned in the intro, Jasmine is, she's a 20 something. She's it's, you know, she's not coming. No learning. <laughs> she doesn't come across as a money expert. Cause one of the biggest, um, I guess, pushbacks I get is, Oh, Bola, it's so easy for you to say, because this is what you do. But you know, Jasmine is a 20 something, a regular chick. She's, you know, navigating her life. And she's having the experiences that many of you guys who are listening are having right around your money and your career and your life. So knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your peers, Jasmine? To actually save. And I know that saving, it's like, um, it depends on, on who's telling you about saving. Like some people say, no, don't save because you can always make more money. But I say save because I had, uh, when I was 22, 22 or 23, I was living in New York. I moved to New York on my savings account, but it wasn't 
nearly enough money to live in New York city. Um, and so it got depleted right away. And I was so poor there. That was like the brokest year of my life. I used to have to eat like ramen noodles for breakfast and like save half the bowl and eat the rest of that for lunch. Like I was so, so broke. And it was because I just wasn't managing my money. Right. And had I saved a little bit more or when I got to New York city, not try to live like I was on sex in the city. I was going to restaurants and parties and buying clothes. And so my savings account just went down to zero in no time. And it was because I just didn't understand the value in actually having a savings account. So now, right. What is that? Five years later at 28, I have an emergency fund and it's, um, you know, every time I get paid, I'm contributing to, yep. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And every time I get, you know, I get paid, I contribute to that emergency fund because I know there could be, I work, you know, I have a corporate job aside from my side hustles, but I have a corporate job and that's where most of my money comes from, but they could say they don't want me tomorrow. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I don't want to ever be in that position that I was in in New York where I have to eat ramen noodles because I hate ramen noodles. (laughs) <laughs> girl when I was when I was um in college that was one of my that was my staple and even yeah. after college when I was trying to save a ton of money it was my staple now you know there's a lot more flexibility in my menu because <laughs> I'm not as pressed <laughs> but right <laughs> ramen noodles has saved many bank accounts oh <laughs> uh, absolutely and that's what I'm saying it's no shade to ramen noodles I just can't eat them any anymore because I've eaten them so much I feel like my body same way will, yeah I, my body will reject, reject them because it, yeah. I've eaten them so much <laughs> okay. okay so um uh, you mentioned something about some people will tell you not to save. And I think that anyone who tells you not to save and to set the expectation that you're going to earn more money in the future probably doesn't have any savings. They probably have zero investments. They probably have no emergency fund and they're living the YOLO life. And that is not Mm -hmm. somebody you (laughs) want in your inner circle. Um, you need to save money. You need to save, you need to invest, you need to have your emergency fund in place. And if you're serious about building wealth, which something that's, that's something that you have now recognized, you have to Mm -hmm. have money. And there's nothing like having your own, there's nothing like having your own bailout money. If you need to get out of a difficult situation, if you need to quit your job and just tell your boss to go to hell, if you (laughs) need to get out of a bad relationship, there's nothing Nothing beats having your own backup plan and exactly. having money in the bank, having savings. I mean, you, you just have to like, mm-hmm. and if you don't, then you need to come up with a plan as to how you're going to start getting your savings up and how you're going to start um, focusing on investing to build wealth. Exactly. So exactly. anyone telling you not to save, delete their number. <laughs> don't listen. Exactly. Don't listen to them girl. Okay. So now you, (laughs) so now you are, you're saving, you have your emergency fund in place, you are budgeting. Um, what's the one thing that you do now or the one tool that you use that helps you stay on top of your finances? Like something that has just made your life easier. Well, uh, I enrolled in your accountability program. So (laughs) that's going to be, you know, that's like the, the one thing I'm looking forward to. I've used, um, there was a budgeting app that I was using. I completely forgot the name of it now though. Mint? Uh, Was it Mint? Actually, I think it was Mint because Mint's been out for a while now, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So it was mint. I tried to use mint a while ago, um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 28, but I'm kind of old fashioned. So I still do just like writing on, like writing in a notebook, what my expenses are going to be for the month mm-hmm. and what I stand to make for that month. Cause I work in sales. I sell real estate. So, you know, we never make the same amount of money every month. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I write out my expenses, write out what I can stand to make that month. And then how I'm going to, you know, break, break that down and pay everything that I need to pay. And then how much savings I'm going to have after I do that. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet and notebook girl. I like to, mm-hmm. I use some apps, um, but I still use my spreadsheet and my notebook. And Jasmine just, I'm going to call you out here, Jasmine. So Jasmine just joined my accountability program, the Clerical Finance Accountability Program. And she has committed herself. She can't get away from me. She has committed herself to completing the program over the next six months. And then we're going to have a on-air podcast discussion on her podcast. And maybe even on mine, too, to talk about her progress throughout the program. So that basically means that she can't drop out and she has to finish it and she has to do everything and come out with flying colors. So you are basically, you can't get away from me, Jasmine. Like I know I can't. I feel feel bad too. Cause I already got a reminder, like reminder you have. And I'm just like, uh, see, this is how it is. But I I told you, Bola, I was never a good student. Okay. So it's going to take, it's going to take some real, just like holding me accountable, which is, you know, why you created the program. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. This is a little different because this is not just any old boring college class. This is your money. This is your life. So you, you got to stay on top of this. (laughs) And you know, I, you know, I love my money. So yeah. (laughs) So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you have a side hustle, right? Yes. And I'm a big fan of the side hustle. You guys who listen know if you read my blog, I'm a side hustler. That's part of how I was able to accumulate a lot of money when I was younger. Um, And so I want you to tell me a little bit about it. Why did you start it and what are your goals for it? Because side hustling is a great way to build wealth. And a lot of people listening are trying to figure out how to start one or are in one. And they're just trying to figure it out. So tell us a little bit about yours and just how you're doing with it. Sure. So I, my full-time job is, like I said, I sell real estate. I sell new construction real estate. Um, but I've always been a writer. Um, I kind of, that's kind of how I was introduced to the industry, um, as a writer. And so now sometimes I'll just, I'll write articles for certain publications or if someone needs, uh, you know, something, written for them, you know, they can hire me for that. But my podcast is probably the main side hustle that I have Mm -hmm. Uh, right now. It's the one that I put the most time and energy into and I got it was tell me, okay, hold on. I always lose my train of thought. The question was, why did I get it? (laughs) Why did you start it? And what are your goals for it? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I started the podcast, um, initially more so out of passion than as a means to, kind of make money, but Mm -hmm. I know the earning potential in podcasting and, you know, just in the new wave media in general. And so when I started 
the podcast, my goals were to grow my audience, get, you know, tons of listenership and then have advertisers come and pay me to Mm -hmm. advertise on my podcast. So that's my goal. Um, That's the goal to start making money from it. But eventually I do want to branch out into doing speaking engagements. You know, I want people to hire me to come and perform the 20 something series live. You can get paid a lot of money like Mm -hmm. that. So my goal is to just kind of start it as a podcast, but ultimately turn it into a brand and then, you know, do speaking engagements. And like I said, appear on other things, maybe do panels on TV at some point. So the possibilities are endless. Um, and I eventually, you know, I want to get out of corporate America. I do want to stay in real estate, but not on the Mm -hmm. corporate side. Okay. I love that. That sounds awesome. And again, like I mentioned, side hustles are a great way to, you know, make money. And Mm-hmm. sometimes they take time to build, they take time to grow. Um, yes. you know, they take time to, I guess, to, to scale and become more mainstream. But if you stick with it and you have the right goals and the right plans in place for it, um, and you're open-minded, um, then you definitely see the success. And I think a lot of people give up on their side hustle or their business ideas and their dreams in general too soon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to kind of decide why are you doing it and what is your end goal because that's going to be the motivation to keep you going um a lot of side hustles you know like if you have debt and you're trying to pay something off quickly like some side hustles can earn you some money fairly quickly um you know like things that you're good at maybe like doing hair or baking or Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. but there are some side hustles that take time to grow and especially if there are things that need to gain traction but the rewards can be incredible. So for those of you who are side hustling, you know, keep at it. Don't be discouraged. If you feel like you're getting stuck, then figure out what you need to do to fix things, what you need to do to improve your skill set, to, you know, learn, to get to the place where you can take your business to the next level. And if you're one of the people who want to transition from a side hustler into a full-time hustler, well, Mm -hmm. is a hustler even a good word? (laughs) (laughs) It is. That's a perfect word, actually. (laughs) (laughs) then you know by all means don't give up on your dreams um on your dreams early and kind of think about it like with your finances like if you're in debt took you a while to accumulate that debt well for some people maybe not but as (laughs) as as you paid off you know for many people it's taking them a while to pay off debt but for those people who actually get through that period and pay it off it's you know they don't regret it so I would say stick to your dreams it's so it's so rewarding. I I recently paid off one of those student loans that I had Yay. and I just <laughs> felt like oh my gosh, I just felt like I should just celebrate. It was the most rewarding thing and just to look at your debt, you know, just come like the number just slowly come down and sometimes it does seem like it is like the slowest process like molasses, but it eventually does come <laughs> down and then you you're out of debt in no time. Can I just, can we just talk about that for a second that you paid off that student loan? Because, oh my God, so many people, I know people who have um, taken out student loans and changed their mind about a degree or Mm -hmm. decided to go to grad school or dropped out of grad school and um, took out loans for grad school. And they kind of feel like, well, since I didn't use that degree, then I'm just going to let this debt go into default and... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay it because I didn't use it. But you actually paid off your debt. Like, first of all, you should be really proud of yourself. 
thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I'm awesome. Still paying it. And second of yeah. all, you recognize the fact that even though you didn't use that debt, it was still money that you owed, and it still affected mm-hmm. the bottom line of your life and your relationship with your money and your future success with your money. And that's something that um, many people don't connect. Just because um, you didn't use the debt, just because you didn't use the degree, yeah. just because you know, you, you co-signed that car for Mm -hmm. somebody else doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't take ownership. You have to own it. You have to own the mistakes because until you wrap your hand, your head around the mistakes that you've made around the debt that you have, and you create a plan to get it out of your life, then you're going to struggle to, to become successful because you haven't owned. Absolutely. And it it will, it can really affect things in your life if you are not paying your student loans. Because for a long time, I had that same mindset. Like, well, I didn't even graduate, you know, so this, I'm not paying this back because I didn't, the money really didn't go towards anything until it came time, you know, and that's back when I was much younger, but then it came time to me for me to get apartments, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, buying cars and stuff like that. And even, even things as small as like getting a credit card, renting a car. Sometimes, you know, if you got to rent a car, they, some companies run your credit and they won't let you rent if you have a low credit score. Um, and then for me, you know, I am in my late twenties, so I'll be turning 30 in a couple years. I'm going to eventually want to buy a home and you can't buy a home with student loans that are in defaults because they're going to look at that and say, no, you want, hell no, we're not giving you a mortgage. You can't, you didn't even pay off this loan that you have from, you know, seven years ago. So it is important to me. And I think for anybody, whether you graduated, um, whether you did, you know, and you're not using your degree, still pay off your loans because it's just going to come back to affect you negatively in the future. Exactly. Think about the big picture and what it is that you ultimately want to achieve in your life. And don't let the fact that you didn't use a degree or you didn't drive the car be the Mm -hmm. roadblock that doesn't allow you to succeed because you haven't made the effort to improve your credit, to get the debt out of your life, to work on building real wealth. You can't blame other people and other things for your own financial future. You have to take ownership of everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and create a plan to work around the issues to get to your dreams. Yes. And can I say something else too? You mentioned (laughs) co-signing. Again, I'm not judging guys, but don't ever co-sign for someone. (laughs) If they cannot, if they cannot get the credit on their own, that means that they probably have a history of not paying things back. So what do you think that's going to do to your credit? Think about it. Yeah. Co-signing, you know, that's a tight rope. (laughs) That's the that's the best way to get me to not ever talk to you guys. Oh, Jasmine, can you call what? Um, no, negative. Can't. <laughs> exactly. But but again, many people have co-signed for other people, you know, and some people it's been perfectly fine, um, and some right. people it's been a horrible experience, especially in relationships that don't work out. And that, at the end of the day, um, it's all about okay, fine. It's it was a mistake, and you have to move past it. You can't keep claiming whoever because you're Mm -hmm. you know you owe money or you can't like you have to let go of the anger let go of the shame let go of the self-judgment and just keep moving that's with any money mistake that you've made Mm -hmm. you just have to let go of the shame and the judgment and just keep going you can't let that you know think about exactly think about your ultimate goals of what you're trying to achieve the joy you want to have the you know the financial (laughs) security you want to have and don't let small minor things that you can get past um, be the stumbling block. 
Exactly. Okay, so I have a couple more questions for you. And sure. the next one is, what is your favorite finance book since now you're all on top of your finances and you're... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to say, no, there's really good books out there. I like Dave Ramsey. A church that I went to in New York gave us this Dave Ramsey finance book a couple years ago, and it was mm-hmm. pretty good. I think the one that I reference the most though is probably rich dad poor dad okay that's an awesome book and that was yeah it is it's actually it's one of the very first like finance books that I ever read I think I was like 19 um Mm -hmm. or 20 when I read it for the first time um and it's a really good like I said it's a book that I reference all the time because there are a lot of good uh gems in that book um there's another one called the one minute millionaire that I Mm -hmm. read in like 2010 um I don't remember a whole lot about the book, but it was very interesting. It was a good read if you want to just read a book about finance and like creating wealth in a short period of time. Uh, that was a really, really good book. Not one minute though. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, <laughs> one minute. Nope. Didn't work for me. Don't. I don't think it even worked for the author, but very good title. <laughs> okay so yeah those are the great books to check out i read i read both of them and um i think it's great to read finance books because it opens your your mind you get to read other mm-hmm. people's opinions that you can agree or disagree with and you get to you know for me i read a lot of finance books still because i love reading other people's That's opinions and just yeah. staying keeping the topic on your mind helps mm-hmm. you stay motivated and inspired to keep going like you know mm-hmm. you want to immerse yourself in what it is you're trying to accomplish, which is build wealth, pay off debt, you know? And so you want to make sure that you surround yourself with things that are going to help you accomplish. Absolutely. Okay. I need, I need another one. If you have any um, suggestions for a good book, finance book that I can start reading now, I'll take it. Oh my them. God, there's so many books. I love, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my favorite book, David Back, um, Smart Women Finish Rich. There is yes. um, Love It, Live It, Earn It. I think that's an awesome book because she's really big on mindset and affirmations and just okay. getting your mental space right to prepare yourself for your success. Um, I think that's what it's called. It's called Love It, Earn It, Live It, something like that. That's an awesome book. There are tons of books that I um, that I love. There is um, Total Money Makeover, David Back. That's awesome. Not David Back, mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I'm, on my blog, I have a blog post on my favorite 15 books that I think every woman should read around finances. And those books I just mentioned are on there. So you can check that out. Okay. I'm going to, I love your blog. I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. So last question. What's your clever girl superpower? Huh, I think it is the ability to not feel shame around the money mistakes that I have make and the money mistakes that I might make in the future. I think to have an open mind and to know ultimately I want to build wealth and that's my ultimate goal, but to be okay with the journey that it's going to take to get there. That's my superpower is to kind of being uh, shameless, I guess. I love it. And I love that you (laughs) said the mistakes you're going to make in the future because we're all still going to make money mistakes. There is no such thing as perfect, perfect finances. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the Warren Buffett's, the Bill Gates, those people still make mistakes with 
you know, Warren Buffett still makes mistakes with mm-hmm. investing. Otherwise, he would never, exactly. ever lose any money in the stock market. You know, Microsoft still makes mistakes with products that they put out. Otherwise, they would be the perfect, most amazing, highest revenue, high, most profitable company in the world. So it's important to understand that mistakes are going to happen. You can't plan for them. You may realize them later. They may not be obvious, but it's mm-hmm. about having that open mind that no matter what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get past this. I'm going to stay on my path to building wealth to getting to that point that I imagine that I dream about. So I love that you said that. Awesome. (laughs) So Jasmine, thank you for being here. Thank you for being so honest and so open and sharing your challenges, your successes, you know, and just sharing because a lot of people are in similar shoes as you. And I just Mm -hmm. love the fact that you, you came on and you were honest about things. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will be able to, to relate to your experiences. So thank you so much. Um, so no tell us how we can find you, where we can listen to your awesome podcast and thank you. Basically, yeah. basically keep in touch with you. <laughs> yes. So uh, everything is hashtag 20 something series. So our website, be sure to visit our website. It's 20 something series pod. Dot com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at 20-something series. Like us on Facebook, 20-something series. You can listen to the podcast. I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. You just search hashtag 20-something series and we'll show up. And I'm just really excited for things to come. And I'm so glad to have someone like Bola to help me um, with my money and becoming <laughs> Oprah by the end of this year because that's the goal. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Jasmine. I'm going to be holding you to it, okay? Accountability means accountability. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening into this awesome conversation I just had with Jasmine. She is an amazing girl, and I hope you go check out her podcast. Um, And if you have enjoyed what you've listened to, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, leave a review, and definitely share this podcast with a friend. And also head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there so you can get access to my resource library. And you also heard Jasmine talk about being a member of my accountability program. So if you want to check that out as well and see what it's all about, head over to clevergirlfinanceacademy.com. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.